Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You guys can be seated. I am honored to be here today. It's my pleasure to be here. As he said, I am Adam Frederick. I am a children's pastor here at Victory, and we have served, my wife and I have served here on staff for quite a few, quite a few years. I'm very blessed to be with you guys today. I feel like God has given me a word for you, um, and, uh, and I'm ready, excited to share it. Uh, I want to know that, I want you to know that we really enjoy working with your children and uh, we are so appreciate our V Kids volunteers. Do I have any V Kids volunteers in here? Right. Yeah, give them a big hand. Yeah, we all, there he is back there. So, and my encouragement to you is that if if uh, if God has not challenged you to go be a part of V Kids, the only thing that I'll tell you is that you really should examine your prayer life because we want you over there and we have a great time. Um, we are going to be studying today uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, so I'm very excited about that. I love the book of Daniel. It's kind of my go-to if I don't know what to study, um, and if you, if you don't know anything about the book of Daniel, uh, let me tell you a little bit about it. Daniel's got prophecy. It's got spiritual warfare. It's got lions. It's got fires. It's got dinner. I mean, it's got it all. <laughs> Daniel is an awesome book. It's one of those books in the Bible that, that have... So much depth to it. Uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but chapters 1 and 8 through 12 are written in the original Hebrew. Whenever it was written, it was written in Hebrew. And then chapters 2 through 7 were actually written in Aramaic, which was the Gentile language of that time. And as you read the book of Daniel, you'll see that chapters 1 and then 8 through 12 are really specifically for the Jewish community, and chapters uh, 2 through 7 are really for the Gentile community. And it's just one of those books that has so much depth and so much richness to it, I would encourage you to, to take an exposition into the book of Daniel if you haven't already. We're going to be in Daniel 3, and I know some of you might be saying, okay, here's the children's guy. We're in the book of Daniel. He's going to tell us a Bible story, and you'd be right. But this isn't a game show, and there's no points for that. So sit up straight, face the front. This is what we tell the kids. Pay attention because we are going to be studying God's word and there is going to be a test. Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 14, uh, Nebuchadnezzar began speaking and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments to fall down and worship the statue that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can rescue from my hands? 
Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. Cue the intense music. Dun, dun, dun. This is a moment. We're getting a glimpse of a standoff between Hebrew boys of an of a, of a, uh, overthrown country, of an overthrown community, and the most powerful man on the planet. They are head-to-head, squared off, and he's going, you're going to bow, and they're going... Nope. That's some gumption. That's, that's, that's some chutzpah. And when I read this, I think, man, that's impressive. These guys are really making a stand. And the reason it's so intense is because I feel like they're right on the, right on the crisp, right on the edge of purpose. It's an intense moment. It's fantastic. And it makes me want to go back and get the rest of the story to find the path to the purpose. I think we have to do our due diligence. Now, today is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure day, okay? So I understand that everybody filters things differently, so I've got a few titles that you guys can work with. And go with whichever one you like. You can call today Fiery Faith. That's pretty good, right? If, if you are, if you are uh, more of the how-to model, you can say today's title is about how to fireproof your life. Right? That's fun. If you like more of the artistic value, you can call it uh, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And if you really just get straight to the point kind of guy or girl, just call it bow or burn. Yeah. In keeping with our, with our season of on bended knee, we are going to explore the story of, this, of, these, of these young men. And I want you to see if you can spot the path to their purpose. Let's go back a little bit. So how did we get to here? The way that we got here is about 606 BC. The Assyrian, the Assyrian kingdom was the biggest kid on the block, and they have just fallen. Now there's two big kids on the block. One of them is Babylon, and the other one is Egypt. And they are squaring off in 606 BC at the Battle of Karshemes. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, who's the general of the Babylonian army, comes up against Pharaoh Necho and wins. He's defeated. There is no big kid on the block. Babylonian Empire is established. His father's back in Babylon. And on his way home, he decides to swing by Jerusalem and and pick up a few things for him. Namely, the Israelites and all the stuff out of the temple. Yeah, he made a stop. While he's there, his father, Nebuchadnezzar, dies. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar is now the single most powerful man in the world. And he's bad to the bone. He inherits everything that his father has, and they take siege of Jerusalem, and the first thing they do is they take the cream of the crop. They look for the young, the good-looking, the smart, the noble. I wouldn't have stood a chance. I'm like the fifth guy out of there. I'm just kidding. So he rounds them all up, and he takes them in. See, now this was the Babylonian method. What they would do when they overthrew a country is they would cherry-pick 
the best and the brightest, the smartest. They would take all of them. They specifically targeted an age. You ready for this? The age was about 12 to 15. It's believed that, that Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were between the ages of 12 to 15 whenever they were taken into captivity. They're, that way they're still impressionable. And that impresses me because have you met a 13-year-old? There's some lessons to learn there. We'll look at that. So he brings them together. He brings them out there and brings them out there. So these guys, these four boys, are part of that exile that are brought into Babylon. And immediately, they go into training. They go into a three-year school of hard knocks learning about Babylonian culture. And the first thing they do when they meet them is they change their names. They were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the first thing the Babylonians did is they, they changed their names. They went, now they're Belshazzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Gave them all Babylonian names. And then the next thing they do is change their culture. They say, you're, gonna, you're part of the king's court now. Here's a specific diet for you. You're going to eat this. Now, here's the thing you got to see. These guys, even though their names were changed, they, they knew who they were right? They, they didn't compromise. These 12 to 15-year-old boys stood up in front of their captain and said, look, uh, man, I know that the king's meal sounds really good to you, but to us, I think we're going to just stick with vegetables and water, if that's okay. Because here's why, because these boys knew the Levitical law. They knew the, they knew the Torah, and the rules were is that you can't eat any food that had been sacrificed to idols. And so these four boys make a stand. It's impressive, right? Even with their identity trying to be ripped away from them, even with their culture trying to be pulled out of their hands, they make a stand and they say, man, if, just give us an opportunity. So Daniel takes the lead on it. He goes to the guy and the guy agrees. He says, all right, we'll give it 10 days. So they eat their diet while, they, while the other, all the other people eat the other stuff. And after the 10 days, these four boys look great. They look fantastic. They're brought before the king, and the king's like, dude, these guys look great. So they get to keep eating their diet because they took a stand, because they knew who they were. You know how they knew who they were? These are some Deuteronomy 6 boys. These guys, these guys quoted the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. These guys talked about God on the, on the road. These guys talked about God on the, uh, uh, at the dinner table when they got up in the morning, when they went to bed at night. They had an understanding. If there was ever an argument for homeschooling, this is it. <laughs> These boys knew who God was because they knew God's word. And most importantly, they knew who they were in God. Even though their identity was threatened, they knew who they were. It's a powerful moment. That's how they make that stand. They look good. They do well. Let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2 comes along. Nebuchadnezzar has some bad pizza and has a bad dream. It's scary. right? He doesn't know how to interpret it. He's upset. Now remember, he had just become king not too long ago. And so the men that he inherited that were the wise men, the, the, the soothsayers, the guys that would give him counsel, these were all from his dad. So Nebuchadnezzar decides he's going to test and find out who is, is for real. Now, in this community of men is also Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and uh, Azariah. 
And he says, all right, boys, huddle up. Now, these guys weren't in this meeting. He had a meeting with just the closest ones. And he says, hey, I had a dream. You need to tell me what that dream is. And then you need to tell me what it means because it's a little scary and I don't understand it and I don't like it. And these guys are like, wait, oh, that's okay. Tell us the dream. We'll tell you. He said, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You got to tell me the dream and then tell me what it means. And these guys are like, dude, that, that, that can't happen. We're lost. Only God can do that. He doesn't live with us. And Nebuchadnezzar was kind and understanding. No, he was not. He decided that all of them were going to die. If you, can't, if you can't interpret my dream, if you can't tell me what it is, not just you, but your whole community, your whole department, you're all going to die. Now, he knew how to clear overhead. Nebuchadnezzar made the tough cuts, right? So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they find out about this. And what do they do? Daniel comes to the other three and he says, boys, we got an issue. We got a problem. Here's what's happening. He had a bad dream. He needs an interpreter. Those guys can't do it. We're going to pray. Come together. Let's pray together. Let's, let's seek the purpose of God together in community, and we'll pray that God gives us the answer. Daniel goes to the, to the leadership, and he says, guys, give us a night. And all night long, these four boys hit their knees in community to find the purpose of God. And God honored that. The next morning they wake up, they go before the king, and they say, King Daniel says, this is what happened. This is your dream. This is what happened. And, and the king says, dude, you, you're like hot fire. You're, you're speaking right to me. That's awesome. You are for real. You and your, your buddies, yeah, you guys are promoted. You're going to work with me, and we're going to promote those guys too. They all got promoted, and it was through the power of their community. Fast forward to channel three. Now, here's the thing about that that I want to mention. I just want to put a little note on this. You see a mentoring relationship here, don't you? We're talking about the three boys in, in chapter three, but in the first two chapters, we've got Daniel. We're talking about their path to purpose. So Daniel is leading. The first chapter, you see Daniel taking the lead. And these boys are with him. The second chapter, uh, you see them coming together. So you have this model of a mentorship. It's just a note I wanted to point out to you. I want you to hang on to that too. Fast forward to, to chapter three. Here we are. So, so histo history tells us that there was a rebellion in Babel, the Babylonian kingdom somewhere in the early 590 BCs. And so everybody, there's, there's several places that rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. And how does he respond to this? Well, like any narcissistic king would, he built a 100-foot golden statue and called all of these kingdoms together that he's conquered. And he said, hey, I understand that we're having some problems with the, with, the, with the workflow, with the authority chart. Here's how it's going to fix. My ragtime band is going to play. You guys are going to get your, hit your knees and worship. And you're going to worship this 100-foot idol on your knees. Now, noticeably absent in this encounter is Daniel. But we have these three boys, and we're back to where we started. I'm going to start in 16 again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, 
We are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom is able to serve, or excuse me, who we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. Here's the thing. You don't just arrive at that by yourself. Did you guys see the path? Did you see the trajectory to go to purpose? See, we might not understand our purpose. But if we'll take the path, our purpose will reveal itself to us. I'm not talking about vision. Vision and purpose are different. You can have vision without purpose. But you'll never fulfill your purpose. I mean, you'll, you'll never fulfill a vision unless you understand who you are, what your purpose is. So we have these three boys. Let's go back and review. The first thing that happened to them is they're taken into a situation that they did not create. Anybody ever been like that? Anybody ever been in a situation you didn't create? Like a, like a bad one? Like, I can't believe this is happening to me kind of situation? Yeah. All was lost. Everything that they knew was taken away from. Can anybody identify with that? I'm just telling you, these guys had lost everything that they knew. And what's going on? The first thing that happens to them is they want to steal their identity and separate them from their heritage. Let me explain something to you. You and I face this today. You know why? Because the enemy's the same. Now, in the book of Daniel, we see the enemy as the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. But let me tell you about his tactics. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, those are very distinctive things. They're not the same. Because sometimes we're like, oh, devil, you tried to take me out, but I'm still here. I'm alive. And he said, I, I didn't try to kill you. Uh, I just wanted to steal your joy. See the difference? So the first thing that happens is their identity is taken from them. But it wasn't because they knew who they were. How did they know who they were? Because they spent time in the word of God. The challenge for you and I is the same. We have a world, a society, a modern day Babylon that all they wanna do is take your identity. All they wanna do is tell you who you are, what category of people you belong in, what group you're supposed to be with, what, how to identify with somebody. It, it ain't much different. But our identity just like those boys, is found in the Word of God. I think, I think this. I think if you look at the names, the Hebrew names of the boys, you're going to get a picture of a working knowledge of your identity in God. You want to see what it says? So Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means beloved of the Lord. Michelle means who is God. And Azariah means the Lord is my help. What is that saying? If you know that God is your judge, you're not worried about what somebody else is going to do to you. You understand what I'm saying? That's not a problem if you know God is your judge. Your behavior will be, master, will be measured by him. And he is the standard, not anybody else, not any other thing. If you know God is your judge, there's a, there's a liberty in that. 
Because I know only God's going to judge me, right? If you know that you're loved of the Lord, do you need the approval of somebody else? Honestly? They were in Babylon. It could have been really easy for these impressionable young men, these 12 to 15-year-olds to go, you know what? We didn't ask for this. <laughs> we, this wasn't what we wanted to do. Here we are in Babylon. They took everything away from us. They've got these great food. They got this great culture. We're just gonna do what they do in Babylon. Because, you know, when in Babylon, do what Babylons do. Right? It could have been really easy for them to make that statement, but they didn't because these guys knew who they were in God. Their identity was not in their behavior, nor was it even in their culture. It was in their relationship with God. When we understand that we are loved of the Lord, approval from somebody else does not matter to us. When you think about Michelle, who is God? Man, if you know the answer to that question in your life, your identity is pretty solid. Who is God to you? I think the most powerful question that every, every person on this earth needs to ask himself is the same thing that Jesus said to the disciples. Yeah, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? We find our identity when we know who God is. The Lord is my help. Hey, man, you can't do anything to me. God is on my side, right? That's an identity. That's a strength. That's not waved by the trends. That's not, that's not decided by somebody else's uh, influencers or whatever they call them. It's not decided by that. It's decided by God's word and you are his child. He has plan and purpose for you. He has a vision for you. In order to accomplish what God has for you, you have to know who you are in God. We see some of this application in John. John chapter one Verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he has gave the right to become children of God. Oh, amen to that. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Romans 6.20 says it like this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in relation to righteousness. Now you got to really dig in, really focus on this one. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's an identity. That's a who you are statement. This was their path to purpose. We gotta know who we are in God. Secondly, when we go to chapter two, we see that powerful mentoring relationship kind of develop. Daniel, who stood out in front in chapter one and brought the boys along with him, now in chapter two, he's bringing them together. We need good godly relationships in our life. 
I'm not talking about community groups that like to bowl. There's nothing wrong with going bowling. I'm talking about people that want to read scripture with you, that want to challenge you, that want to encourage you, that want to pray with you all night long when you're going through some difficult times. That's a community. See, the thing is, is that the community has to be for the purposes of God. These boys were faced with something they didn't ask for. Their whole community of people and the, in their, their whole division of their work is being wiped out. So they've got to rally together. And what do they do, man? They pray and seek God will all night. God, we need you to speak to us. Do you see the similarities? Our enemy comes to steal. He wants to steal our identity. He also comes to kill. He wants to kill our communities. He knows the power of discipleship. He knows the power of relationship that's godly and that challenges us and that encourages us. These guys are living it out. You don't stand at the fiery furnace with no blinking unless you have a community of believers around you that you know you can count on. Our communities are vital. Chapter one, we see Daniel go, I do. Chapter two, we see Daniel and the boys go, we do. Yeah, let's do it together. That's just a model of mentorship. So powerful, so evident. Community is a powerful thing. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this, brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritually, uh, who are spiritual are to restore such person in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted as well. Bear, listen to this, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. If we want to be primed for the purposes in our life, we got to know who we are in God. We got to have a community for the purpose of God. We're going to find out who we are by reading God's word, by meditating on it, by reciting it, by going it over and over and over again in our hearts. Tell them without question, when faced with a situation, there's no other answer but the one God wants us to have. You don't compromise when the only thing you can think of is God's word. They survive. God gives, the, gives the, the clarity to Daniel and the boys. They go before the king, and the king's like, dude, you read my mail. We're good to go. You guys are going to be bosses. Daniel, you're going to work with me and your three friends. I got great works for them, too. They're all going to go to leadership. And everything's cool. Everything's gin and fine. These boys are honoring God. They've lived their life. They're in this foreign land, but they're prospering. Things are going well. We can't always determine the situation that we're in. We sure as don't always pick the path that we take. But if we'll know who we are and we'll honor God with our purposes, he'll take us in a path of blessing. In a, in a path of blessing. But here we are. The moment... Here it is. 
Nebuchadnezzar says, you will bow or you will burn. The boys say, nope. And he says, crank it up. I want to make it hotter. I want to make it seven times hotter. Has the boys bound up and tied. He has his strong men of his guard throw them in the middle of the furnace. The fire is so hot that the men who throw him in die from the flames. It's hot. Can you imagine standing next to the fire knowing that that's your fate if you make your stand for what you believe in? And these boys, without hesitation, Dude, good king, we don't need to talk about this anymore. There is no other way. Do what you gotta do. That's fiery faith. The key phrase in that whole encounter to me is the even if line. Even if. Let's talk about path for a while. We all find ourselves in situations that we did not cause. If we're not careful, we'll adapt a victim mentality. Hmm? God, why is she looking out for me? <laughs> this one's supposed to happen to me. Right? Hey, I'm, I've said it. I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I live in a glass house. I'm preaching to me. But these boys didn't do that. They really knew who they were. They had a good community, and they were uncompromising. They had that even if faith. No matter what gets thrown at me, my faith is going to glorify God. Do you understand what happened there? These boys said, it doesn't matter what you tell me I'm going to do. It doesn't matter the trials and the tribulations that I'm going to go through. I'm going to glorify God. What did he tell them? He said, our king, the God that we serve, he can deliver us out of his hand. And he will deliver us out of your hand. No matter what the outcome, you ain't going to have any control over us anymore because we're going to be with God, right? But even if he chooses not to do it, I'm still in. I ain't changing. It don't matter. So many times we look at a situation, we think, oh, man, that's going to, Lord, that's going to be really, that's going to be hard. I, I know, God, I, I, you're a loving God. You are a kind and loving God. And you do not want your children to suffer. Dear Jesus, deliver me from the flame. Yeah, we're we, we good about we're good about the what if, what if faith, right? We're good on the, the what if faith. What, what makes the even if faith? Oh, see, see, that's where purpose is born. Even if. No matter what. God, I'm going through a situation right now that is tough. I do not understand it. It's hard. Even if I'm going to worship you. See, what happened was they threw him in the fire. They're in there. And Nebuchadnezzar takes a peek. And when he looks in there, 
He turns to his fellows. He says, hey, guys, um, just for some clarity, there were three, right? We put three in the fire tribulation. We put three in the seven-time hot furnace. We put three guys in there. Three guys stood up defiantly. We took care of three. I made an example of them, right? Because what does the devil do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wanted to destroy their reputation, right? He wanted to destroy their credibility. He wanted to destroy their faith in God publicly. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, but wait, fellas, I'm looking in there. I don't see three. There's four. And these guys are walking around like they're on the beach somewhere. <laughs> but, but something specific about that fourth one. That fourth one looks like a son of the gods. The original translation, it, it, it puts the plural on gods. But what he's really saying is it looks like the son of God. See, what you have here is what they call a pre-incarnation, uh, what I believe is a pre-incarnation uh, vision of, of Christ. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, hang on to this for a second. When you have even if faith, and you know who you are, and you got that community around you, and you say even if, Jesus is going to show up early. <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to be here until the New Testament. And here he is in the book of Daniel. Jesus is going to show up early for you. Nebuchadnezzar says, fellas, come on out. Come on out of here. Man, I, I want to read to you what he says. Because here's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan king. Babylonian, the Babylonian culture was that of uh, eclectic variety. They had all kinds of gods that they served from all different kinds of cultures. This guy didn't care one about one god more than another. You can tell he built the 100-foot statue of him. You guys all worship me, right? But you see the testimony. Here is where the purpose is revealed. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent an angel to rescue his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and surrendering their bodies rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or population of any language that speaks offensively against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Their house is made into rubbish heap because there is no other God who is able to serve this way. In the midst of your tribulation, with your even if faith intact, people will not see the heat of what you're dealing with. All they're going to see is Jesus. All Nebuchadnezzar could see was the Son of God right there with him. And he's a believer. The thing is, is that Nebuchadnezzar would go on in chapter 4. When you read Daniel chapter 4, you're basically reading Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And I believe it stems 
from the encounters of these boys and Daniel. That's purpose. That's change. Sometimes we're going through things that we don't understand. We certainly didn't ask to be in that situation. We didn't put ourselves there, but here we are. I'm telling you, even if faith says, God, your glory is going to happen no matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter if it's fire or if it's, or if it's freedom. It doesn't matter what the tribulation is. It doesn't matter who's, 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 making, the, who's making the calls. All that matters is, is that your name be glorified. When we have faith that is about the glorification of God, that is even if faith. It ain't about me. These boys understood it wasn't about them. And in doing so, you and I, what, 3,000 years later? We're talking about them. We're bragging on them. That's impressive. That's purpose. That's purpose beyond your own trials, beyond your own tribulation. I can tell you what, I can tell you what, Joseph had some even if faith. You think his path to the palace, he thought was going to go through the prison? You think he was excited about that? No. Paul, he had some even if faith. This guy, all he wanted to do was share the gospel. He gets thrown in jail so much. Noah, that's some even if faith. Never rained before. You want me to build a what? Where? All right, God, even if. Abraham making the journey up the hill on Mount Moriah. That's some even if faith. Sacrifice your son. Yeah. That's some even in faith. We see the testimonies of it all the time. God's got purpose for us, ladies and gentlemen. He has purpose. We are burdened with purpose. We may not fully understand that purpose. But I believe that the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel give us a path. I need to know who I am in God. I need to have a community of believers that challenge me, that speak into my life, that encourage me, that are willing to pray with me all night long because of the situation we're in, then I'll be ready to have that even if faith. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful for the testimony of these young men, Father, and what it means to us today. Well, we may not fully understand the situations that we're in. We may be lost trying to figure out our own identity. We may feel alone and isolated, separated from a godly community. Father, you see our hearts. You have purpose for us. And Lord, my prayer is that we would fulfill that purpose. That we would stay on the path that you have laid out for us, even when we don't understand it. Even when it doesn't make sense. Least he slay me, though will I trust him. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, 
We are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.